Thanks for joining the podcast today. If you didn't already know, this podcast is based off of our YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description below. Be sure to subscribe. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know who you are and where you're watching from. We'd love to get to know you. We are a self-funded channel. We don't receive money from churches or ministries, and that allows us to continue to make content that pushes the borders of our faith. So if you enjoy what we do, consider giving to our Patreon. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help support this channel. You can find the link in the description below. Thanks again for joining us. We believe that by coming together, we can leave bad religion defenseless. Hey everybody, welcome. We are back with part two of When Christian Leaders Fall. We're picking up right in the middle of the discussion we left off last week. So if you haven't heard last week's discussion, pause it, stop the episode right now. It'll be here when you come back, I promise. Go back, listen to the first part. That way you're all caught up. All right, enjoy part two. See you guys. I think... The body, like the people who are kind of under the leader, I guess, can do a better job at support and understanding. And not just, not just like, oh, too bad, like he made a mistake, well, bummer. But like, and when I mean support, I don't just mean like, like, you got this, like cheering them on, like what, what can we do? What can be done to... What about in the same sense of, like, when you try to help a child struggling through something, right? You help them acknowledge the problem, understand why they're feeling or acting the way they are, and then you talk to them about maybe doing something better, acting better, or why it's important. But you change the perspective, and then you say something like, I know you can do it. I believe in you. Yeah. And I love you. Like, you – what's the word? You you give them that sort of comfortability. Gosh, I can't think of the word. Um, But basically – what if in that sense, too, when a correction needs to be made for a pastor, you, you know, they've acknowledged the problem, you do all those things, but you also tell them, like, hey, I know you're human, we love you. Like, this isn't okay, sure. but we love you and we believe in you. I think yeah. that would be a great yeah. step. Instead with, of stoning him immediately yeah. out the gate. With um the Jonathan situation in particular, I was super disappointed to see so many people... Like, literally, he should never be in ministry again. Excuse well, me. So what was tough <laughs> Why for me... Why is that their decision? I hate to say this. I expect that response from an average Christian. Sure. I expect that. I thought I was in a group in that school, in that Facebook group of people, like, really insightful, spiritually well-meaning people, and then this happens. I was shocked to find out how much religion was actually still there. These and I and I'm not trying to be judgy or like mean or anything, but like that's what hurt me the most is like, dude, we're all here. I learning thought this. we grew. Pa- if there was one group of people I thought would be past that, it would be this group, and it wasn't. Yeah, they they were they came with their their torches and their pitchforks. They, they were, were ready. ready, and they're still ready. There's yeah. still a group of them who are out there. I'll read a couple verses really fast because I I want to make sure we understand that the Bible is tricky in this situation. So I'll read a couple verses and let you guys kind of sift through this. So one of my favorites, Galatians 6, 1 brothers, if anybody's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So there's accountability for the leader who fell, right? Mm -hmm. Or the person who fell. Uh, It says, restore him, Um, in a spirit of gentleness. So I think that's critical too. And then it goes on to put accountability on the person trying to do the restoring. Keep watching yourself so that you too might not be tempted. Once again, equalizing the situation. Dude, just because you're restoring this guy doesn't mean you're any better. You just haven't fallen yet or in this particular way. it hasn't come out yet. Right. Uh, And not that everybody's going to make big oops. You know, sometimes it's little oops, sometimes it's big oops. But But isn't that subjective as well? It is. But once again, with church cancel culture, they've kind of drawn the line in the sand and they say what's, you know. uh, And then you got things like 1 Timothy 5.20. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that they may stand in fear. That's that's, pretty heavy. (laughs) So 
New Testament, and I'm, I'm specifically reading from the New Testament for a, a reason, you're going to see that different people had different views and opinions on how to handle leadership. Uh, Paul was pretty hardcore sometimes. Um, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And I think for most of his life, I think I and obviously Paul's not Jesus and I don't think we should even put them on the same level, although he was a, a huge mouthpiece for, for Jesus and God in, in the early church. I think Paul, in my trying to get an understanding of him through my biblical studies and reading, I think Paul was a little more hardcore than Jesus. I think Jesus would have dealt with people with a little more grace. Not to say that Paul was quote unquote sinning or wrong, but I think Jesus just may have come at it from a different angle, right? Yeah, yeah. Paul was... would have spanked the kid. Jesus would have pulled him to the side and talked to him, if that makes sense. Like <laughs> yeah. their and parenting styles yeah. are different. That's so funny. Uh, so when bad you, cop, good cop. When, yeah. When so when you see, but I mean, we can't say that Jesus's method is ineffective. Yeah. No. Not I mean, at all. Obviously. Uh, but Paul. But we also got to remember, Paul comes from hardcore paul comes from killing people literally yeah. <laughs> killing people and like instituting the law you obey or you die Very and i think extreme. i think some of that may have carried on with paul a little bit uh, yeah, he came a long nature way comes into your ministry sure. absolutely well, i will say paul came a long way like he says some really baller things that are just full of grace and then every once in a while you see paul throwing down a hammer and you're like ah there it is my That's favorite part is like we didn't get the f- like the full story, like you know, there's more that Paul did. Oh, sure. And it, Jesus was like, maybe not that in the Bible. Let's wait till they get to heaven to reveal that fun story. Yeah. <laughs> like one time at band camp, Paul. Yeah. Paul. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I'm just trying to figure out. So what what do we do as Christians when things like this happen? How can we help the body better go through these times? Now, once again, I'm still of the opinion that I think we are setting a lot of these people up to fail. Absolutely. That's just my opinion. When we put them on that high of a pedestal, people are bound to fall. Now look. The pressure gets harder and harder. I'm sure it is dope being a pastor, having 3 million Instagram followers. I'm sure that's sweet. Just to be Christine Kane for the day, like she has excellent hair, that accent. Her family's (laughs) awesome from what I can see. And she's like a bomb preacher just for one day, just one day. Right. You know, she's been through hell and back. But man, to have her wisdom and live her life, that would be so cool. But also, no thank you. Like, no, thank you. Like, yeah, I, mean, I enjoy my quiet life. The, yeah, the pressure must be immense. So It has to be, yeah. I, I kind of, I wanted to, the last note that I had for this is, as corny as it may seem, rip straight out of the 90s. Oh, boy. I think when situations like this happen. You call him Joy Williams. We literally have to ask ourselves, and I realize I'm being corny in saying this, but I think it's perfect, perfectly applicable. What would Jesus do? And I know that's really corny and I know like it's a bracelet and like, oh, I'm not going to sleep with my girlfriend because I got the bracelet on. Like, I'm not going to smoke pot because the bracelet. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the crap hits the fan and you're standing face to face with the leader who is literally about to fall off a cliff emotionally, spiritually, uh, socially. If Jesus was standing there, how would he handle that situation? That's really what I think we have to like think about. I mean, God. I like, think how his would Jesus first response handle- would cover them in grace and love. I think a good approach would be just talking to that person. If we have access to somebody that's in that sort of like position and we see those s- symptoms or that fruit, I mean, absolutely, you need to say, like, are you okay? I mean, you do it with Chris- Christina. She's your spouse. Like, what's the difference? If you're that close to a pastor and you care about them, say something. Well, I think the big difference, and this is, I'm just guessing what most Christians would say in this situation. I think for a lot of people, the big difference is, is that these particular leaders are... Inaccessible? Not inaccessible. I mean, yes, they are. But I think the more important part is that they are influential. They have influence. They are leading thousands, if not millions of people directly or indirectly. And so I think that's the bigger thing. It's not having one of your friends struggling with an issue and you guys talk it out in Panera and all that's fine. It's your friend who's having an issue who thousands, if not millions of people are looking to for spiritual wisdom and guidance. Now that guy has an issue. And now there's a quote unquote, greater responsibility, because now you're not just dealing with one guy, one issue. You're dealing with one guy, one issue and a million other people who are following this person. Mm -hmm. So the big concern is, well, if we sweep this under the rug, let's say he cheated on his wife, hypothetical pastor cheats on his wife. If we sweep this under the rug and we deal too much grace here, what it's going to look like is a door, an invitation for people to live this way. 
right? I think that's the big fear is if that the church doesn't lay the hammer down, they are leading the the rest of these Christians into a gray area where, oh, sin is just, you know, sometimes we sin and we're just going to, you know, move on. And I think there's a lot of, now, I will say, religion hates that. Religion absolutely hates what Jesus did with the woman who should have been stoned. Mm-hmm. That was the thir- first thing I thought of right. when mm-hmm. you said that. Reli- like, if you think about it, like, she wasn't supposed to be stoned because guys were angry. She was supposed to be stoned because that's what the law called for. These Pharisees were actually just acting in line with the law that had already been laid out, implemented for hundreds, if not thousands of years already. They're just carrying out their duty, right? Right, right. They're the police officers putting the cuffs on. Right. That's their job. Jesus steps in and he says, I know you got your rules. I know you got your religion. We know the story. Him without sin, throw the first yeah, stone. They, they all drop it. They walk away. Religion hated that moment. And what I think is important to understand is, would we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you handled that with too much grace. Jesus, you're, you're, al- correct, Jesus? <laughs> you're allowing all the people reading this Bible verse, all the people standing in the square waiting for a good old fashioned stoning you're now saying, Jesus, that it's okay for a woman to be promiscuous. No, and sleep I think around. what he was saying is she doesn't have to go through the stoning process because his restoration is enough. She doesn't have to die. Right. My <laughs> sanctification is enough to sure. cover her. But but you see what I'm saying? The religious aspect wants to come at Jesus and say, What now you're, you're act- justifying her sin. That's what the religion wants to do because it wants to manipulate and control people into following the rules. Right, but they're not leaving any room for what Jesus did sure. to cover. So so let me ask the question then. If we had the ability to take one of these big name pastors who collapse, crumble, fall, whatever word you want to put onto it, and we were able to just meet them with a hundred percent grace, just like Jesus did with the woman. And you're saying nothing would change? No, what I'm asking is would we be opening the door? for Christians to say, oh, well, I guess sin's just not a big deal anymore. Or would we be actually carrying out the mission of Jesus by handling these situations with as much grace as possible? Well, I think the other aspect that we've talked about that would apply here, I have a couple thoughts. One, if we could lead a situation with as much grace as possible in front of a body of people where someone who in the limelight fell and we could restore bring them to restoration or walk them through the process of repairing that vacancy inside of them, right, and bringing themselves back restoration. I think that that would speak so many higher volumes to a body of people than uh, just shoving them off the, the, the pulpit and them never being yeah, seen Yeah, spiritual again. timeout. Yeah. Right, right. And I, th- I think that that would 100% exemplify what Jesus wants. Now, that's not to say that we don't live in a world where you don't get to experience the consequences of poor decisions. Sure. You break the law. Jesus loves you, but you, you got to deal with the law. Right, right. right. You embezzle money, you sure. go to jail. Right. Right. But it doesn't mean that you but can't continue. When ministry. we're talking about moral failures more specifically. Okay. Yeah. So I think that there has to be a restoration process. Now, I'm not on a committee of people who keep a pastor accountable. I don't know what that looks like, but I think if we could walk someone through that and keep like uh, have them repeat. Like, do whatever needs to be done, and we could exemplify that to the church. Uh, and the only reason I say it like that is because I'm going to bring it back to a kid. When you, I mean, statistically, when you put the fear of God in a kid, and you're screaming and screaming and screaming, and all you're doing is berating, and you're critical, and you're criticizing, and they can't do anything right, how many times uh, as they grow older does that behavior dissolve, or does it manifest because they just feel like they're controlled and manipulated? Sure. And then... On the other end of it, when you get down on a child's level and you talk to them and you help them, and that doesn't mean there's not correction, timeouts, groundings, whatever that needs to look like. But when you speak to them with a kind voice, you let them know you love them, but what they're doing is not okay, and you correct them in a different manner, right? Right. How many times does that behavior correct itself, and as they get older, they understand the importance of it, okay? I'm just trying to use that example in this situation. Why can't we do that? With someone who's in a role who clearly has a gift for ministry, clearly benefits, brings the word of God, and you know shares that with well, the mass of people. I, 
I think, and not to pause you there, but I think we have to take that on a case by case basis because just because a pastor is famous does not necessarily mean that he's, he has a gift. Right. right. He could just be really good at speaking. Yeah. I can name you tons of big name pastors right now that I'm like, ah, are we doing kingdom work here or are we getting Instagram right. followers? And I get that. I don't want to judge, but yeah. At the same token, is it possible for us to also set them as the example of you can be Carl Lentz or you can just be Lauren Taylor who lives sure. in Lakeland, Florida and you can mess up and the body of believers will still love you. You will have to walk through what that looks like for you, but there there is no reason for us to disregard who you are and your place in our lives just because you made a mistake. Yeah, I don't think that safety net exists. No, but what I'm, what I'm saying is why, why imagine the impact that would have. On I people. agree. I, I think that is it. I, I mean, Christina and I have talked about that even the past couple of weeks. I mean, we spent about 10 days in the car with our kids traveling across the country. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever done that before. Uh, highly recommended, highly not recommended. I mean, it's a great time, but you are in very close proximity <laughs> to your children who are teenagers and pre-teens, right? 10. One's uh, an extrovert, one's an introvert. Right. But I'm, what I'm saying is like, there's a normal <laughs> ebb and flow to most households, right? At some point, dad's going to watch... A basketball game and get his alone time. At some point, mom's going to go on Etsy and do it. At some point, the kids are going to go play Fortnite and they all get their space. They all, right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everyone's when you're happy. trapped in a car for 10 days in hotels <laughs> and you're eating every meal with each other and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different dynamic. <laughs> it's just a different dynamic. Not good, not bad, just different. Yeah. Uh, and so I think... We were talking about that when we got back from vacation. My parenting style has shifted, I think, dramatically over the past four or five years. Same. I don't know that, I was explaining to her, I could spend my time picking at my kids, everything they do. Because they do stupid stuff. They're kids. Yeah, That's absolutely. what kids do. Yeah. And I could pick at them and I could tell them every time they're wrong and I could get onto them. And actually, from a parenting standpoint, there's nothing wrong with correction. There's nothing wrong. But to me... I've started to more and more substitute correction with just getting on their level and not only getting on their level, but I am sold on the idea now before I try to correct them, I need to show them that I'm a good dad first by good dad. I don't mean buying them presents or video games by good dad, meaning the first thing I want my kids to know about me as a parent is that I deal with them with grace. That's number one. Right. Above everything else, before they expect punishment, before they expect reprimand or timeout or whatever, they should, what I'm trying to do as a parent is establish a relationship to where they know, even if I mess up, I know me and dad might have a conversation, but I know he's going to meet me with grace first. I want that to just be instilled in them, that yeah. they know that's who dad is. Right. Not that, hey man, if I got to take your car keys away because you're being stupid, I'm going to take your car keys away. I mean, they're not driving yet, but when that yeah. comes, but I'm not going to beat you up about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I, you know, I have no problem saying it. I want my kids, if they're at a party as teenagers yeah. and they're drunk, not saying they should be underage drinking or putting themselves in the situation, but I want to create a relationship with my kids. They're not scared to call me. Right. Because they know dad's not going to beat them up. Now, we might have words about that later, but the first thing I'm going to do is pick them up yep. gently, make sure they get home safe. If they have any friends who need to get home safe, does anybody need some McDonald's on the way home? Are you Waffle feeling okay? House. Do you need some water? I mean, we're not going to make a celebration out of it, but I'm going to take care of them. Is what yeah. I'm gonna th when they wake up in the morning and they feel like garbage, now we're going to have a little conversation. And it doesn't look like beating them up. It looks like getting on their level and saying... All right, so you see why maybe this wasn't a good idea. Getting them to take responsibility for their own actions so that they can start making better decisions because I'm not going to be here forever. I can't make all these decisions for them. To bring all of that back into like how we deal with spiritual leaders, how we deal with people who fall and make mistakes. But and why stuff can't like we that. do the same thing with them? I think we can. But I don't think that a system built around religion, control, manipulation is ever going to do that. No, because it's not built around grace. But isn't that the whole point? I don't know relationship that, and I grace. don't know that Christians believe that. I don't know that Christians I think they say that but they don't act that way. Right. And so I mean, I think even from the pastor level, the pastors don't always treat them with grace or like, you know what I mean? Like they are held 
like pastors and leadership will be like, you are stepping down. You can't do this. You can't do this. Like you're wrong. So I think, I mean, not every pastor, but I think it's built from the top down. Well, Systemic. And yeah. I mean, that is a word we should be using in the church way more, but that's another podcast. Um, the real goal here when a pastor falls, right? I think most people would agree with this is repentance, right? Right. Yeah. You have to be able to turn and say and take responsibility. I said that earlier. This is my problem. I've done this. I need to do the work. And even as a leader who's trying to help that other person, the goal is not to spank them, right? The goal isn't to give them a free pass. The real goal should be shared goal is repentance and repentance root and replacing it with a and, yeah. and repentance doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means I'm shifting my perspective so I don't live that way anymore. Transformation. Right. That's what real repentance is. If we go back to the scriptures, the scripture says that real repentance, actual repentance, uh, I want to get the scripture right now and I should have just pulled it up because I know it. It's the goodness of God that draws men unto repentance. That's what the scripture says. Not the punishment, not the religious leaders. Not the timeout. It's the goodness of God. So if I'm going to take that verse and say, when a pastor falls, my goal as a leader, someone stepping beside them, is to bring the goodness of God into their life so it draws them unto repentance. I have yet to see any restoration process happen like that. Now, I haven't seen every restoration process in the American church, but the big ones I have seen. The ones that are publicized. In the ones that I've been experienced to in smaller church levels, couple hundred, couple thousand people, I've not just exiled. I haven't right. I haven't seen that be the goal. How do we bring the goodness of God into someone who just messed up? How do we bring that into their life? And I think that's the real question we have to ask. Not even when pastors fall, but when your friend falls, when your spouse falls, when your kids mess up. How do we bring the goodness of God into that situation so that the door for repentance opens? Because if the inverse of that scripture is true, then the punishment or the wrath of God or man, and I think the actual verse, did you look it up? I think the actual verse says the wrath of man doesn't like do that. And so I think the inverse of the scripture would say, if the goodness of God draws men into repentance, then the badness of God or the wrath or punishment or, or of man shuts the door for repentance. That's what the inverse of that scripture would be. So we have to be very careful when we're coming at people when they mess up, when they make mistakes. How big, how small, it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. The goal should be, how do I inject this situation with the goodness of God? Because if I'm not careful and I inject it with punishment, wrath, time out, whatever words you want to put to it, I may be inadvertently closing or slamming the door to repentance. Right. But I think you nailed it on the head earlier is that that behavior comes out of a vacancy. And do you think that you are going to get rid of that void in their life by pressing, you know, pushing them away, pulling them out? Uh, um, making them suffer severe consequences, bringing the wrath of God, if you will. Do you think that they're going to fill that void with Jesus by bringing them on those things? Or do you think that Jesus is going to fill them slowly but surely over time by giving them the grace, the ability, and the period to do the work it takes to bring to fill that void with what is supposed to be there? I absolutely believe Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do that. But I also think that man has the ability to blind other men. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why I'm saying if we approach one another with wrath, punishment, correction in a negative sense, what we may be doing is actually hindering the spirit. Well, why would I want to be part of a system who sees me fall? That's the system. That's what we're talking about. Like, that's the system that exists today. Right. I'm not saying it's everywhere, but I will use that word. It is systemic. Right. It exists in almost every denomination I've ever stepped into on one form or another and I don't know how to correct it because I, I'm still not convinced that the way the modern church operates is the way it should be operating. So that's a whole nother thing of like, we're talking about tearing down a system so that we can get back to grace. But like I said, that's a whole nother podcast. It sounds hippie of me. It sounds like, oh, I love everybody. Free love, free hugs. I get that. I don't, I think it was like, it was actually a year or two before I took the position in Newport Ritchie, I had this dream that I was pastoring a church, which I never want to do again. But I had a dream that I was pastoring this church. It wasn't the church we ended up pastoring. It was just another type of church. And the worship leader uh, had come out 
sat down in the office with me. I can't remember if you were there in the dream or not. And basically admitted to cheating on his wife. Worship pastor, right? I'm the head pastor. He's the worship pastor. And I remember him and his wife, like, bawling their eyes out on a couch in my office, just closed doors, whatever. And uh, I remember asking them, like, if they still wanted to try to make it work or, like, and I was more asking her, you know, and they were both. This is what we want to do. And I said, okay, go home. We'll deal with this on Sunday, is what I said. I didn't tell him he wasn't leading worship on Sunday. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just said, we're going to deal with this on Sunday. Show up to church as normal. I think they, he led worship. And then this is a dream, so it was just happening really quickly. He led worship. <laughs> we get up on stage afterwards. Like I get up to preach whatever message I was preaching. And I brought him and his wife up on stage. And I let the entire congregation know. And I think I even asked them like before I even, I was like, can I, can we share what's happening? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. I probably scared the crap out of them, but in the dream world, in the dream world, (laughs) I don't have very many dreams that are that like vivid. Yeah. This is one of those. And I remember sharing with the congregation, this is what's happened. They came to me. And I think in this moment, we have a choice as a congregation, as a church. We have, this is a moment for us, not just for them. This is a, like, this is family, right? Like we say that all the time. If this is really family, we deal with this as a family. And I said, we could beat him up. We could sit him down. He could never lead worship at this church. And if we publicize it the right way, no church ever again. His yeah. wife could leave him. I can't remember if they had kids or not in the dream. Um, or, or we could gather around this couple right now. And instead of punishing him, instead of beating them up, instead of showing them the wrath of God, we surround this couple. He leads worship for us next week and every week following. And we're here to lift these guys up, not push them down. And I, I remember looking at the, the guy, I don't know who this guy was, and his wife. And they're both like, bawling. And I'm like, is that, does that work for you? Is, is this okay? And they were both yes. And then I just invited the entire congregation on stage. And that was the service. They just, like, people just came up on stage, hugged them, loved them. That was it. That was a dream I knew that, like, that's how it needs to be. I didn't deal with the guy's sin. And maybe that's dream part two, right? <laughs> we didn't deal with the issue. We didn't even go for the root. We didn't do sozo. We didn't do any of that stuff. All we did is say, do you want to change? Do you guys want to stick it out? If you're willing to do those two things, we're here for you. I'm not here to beat you up. And what's cool is the congregation knows what they're getting into next week. Uh, yeah, our worship leader cheated on his wife recently, and we're here with him. We're, that's family. And if people I mean, want to leave the yeah. church, then they can leave the church. That is one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had because I felt like in that moment I was being shown what the kingdom could look like. Now there's also well, yeah, it's not our it's not our place to deal with the sin. So back to the theology of what we have, that's that's what Jesus does. That's what He did on the cross for us. Sure, our job is to love people and just show them the love and grace of God. And yes, we have to hold people to a standard. Sure, but like if if it's that way, let Jesus. We love them and let Jesus handle the rest. Right. No, we I, don't condone the action, sure. but like and we I let think, Jesus handle it. And I think if like. In that dream, hypothetically, if that worship leader continued to cheat on his wife, now we have a problem. Right. Because now we don't have somebody who's seeking repentance. We right, just right. have somebody, you know. There's no transformation there. Right. There's it, no well, change. There's no desire for transformation. Right, right, right. Because I don't think we can also just say, you need to change next week. Like, that's not going to happen. Now, I don't think you need to keep pursuing those actions, but clearly the, the, the deficiency that brought you there probably isn't going to be gone by next week. Yeah. That's something we work through as a family. Right. Um, But... Yeah, but I think if the action keeps happening, that's when you know that somebody is not in the place to where they want. They're not desiring repentance. And that's when I have that's when I think you have to say, "Hey man, I want to give you every shot here possible, but it doesn't look like you want it." Right? Right. right. And and that's not Well, it's it's a two-way street. Like you have to give right. them the space to transform they have to put in the work to do the transformation but i think what it looks like more so it's not a pastor or a group of people sitting someone down it is that individual forfeiting not because of the initial sin they did but because they don't want to change right and and that's when they would be saying 
actually, no, I'm going to hang my hat up here. I'm or choosing. they're saying, I need, I need time away. I need to figure right. things out. But, but the church, the response of the people shouldn't be just to beat them up from the get-go. It should be to surround them, pick them up, and raise them up. That's a whole new concept, I think, that I don't think the American church could ever handle because image is so important to them in their religious structure. But I think, wow, what an impact would that make. And, and what if... For them to get up on stage the next week and say, I'm here, I love Jesus, I'm not perfect, but let's do this together. I, I thought... Maybe I was being way too optimistic. I really thought that the people from Hillsong were going to do something like that. I thought they were going to bring him up on stage in front of thousands, millions of people watching on live stream and do something like that. I think it would have rattled the Christian world. I think it would have shook it to its core well, in a good way. Remember, there's there's two parts to that. So that that party has to be willing. Correct. And we don't know the, the We don't. Else, right? And the church has to be willing to say we have a black spot. That we don't know what to do with, but we're letting you know we're here to handle it as a family. And, and I know this sounds kind of crude. You're a back, you're a black spot, but you're our black spot. Right, right. That's so huge. Right. You messed up, but you're our mistake, and we're gonna love you through this right. as long as you're willing to walk the road and as right. well. Just fired him and his wife, who hadn't. She. What well, did she do? <laughs> well, she, well, she's associated. Yeah. So I know. She it's just sad. There. I'm not yeah. saying that I was shocked that Hillsong did right. what they did because that's no, it was very true to form. Right. I thought though for a moment I was like, dude, if they do this, it would be gigantic for the Christian world. For someone or that elevated association with him and let him take his time. Let him take his sure piece. But I think if they would have just got those two people up on stage and said, Are you guys really wanting to make this work? That the I don't know how repentance, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't know how repentance doesn't come from something like that because you are showing the ultimate goodness of God. You don't deserve mercy, but we're giving it to you. You don't deserve a second chance, but we're giving it to you. And as long as his wife is on board, you're golden. Do you think that it could have happened if the uh, actions weren't so... Lot, like didn't have such a long term like maybe it was a one one time thing one person but because it was one person over many months obviously multiple encounters and then things other things came out from other people obviously after that happened do you think if the severity of the crime was not so high or i don't know the number i mean i i i get do you think what you're any saying. of that factors into I, it i think it factors into the way that humans because i could see hillsong doing it that's the sure. only reason i say that i think that matters on a human level but i then say does it matter on a jesus level you know what i'm saying like yeah. does jesus really care that carl slept with one person one time or five people five times right you know what i'm saying like it's, but like i'm saying there's a choice so like he messed up made a mistake it was the one time it was one person and nothing else comes of it like do they let him continue pastoring but they put him through some sort of rigorous uh, mentorship or like because it was one person over a period of six months it was it was that was a continued choice you clearly were in a a position of of leadership and you were preaching the, the word of god and you had our name on you and you still continued to make this poor decision that was it's very blatantly obvious over a long period of time. Like, do you think that would have changed it? it maybe. Because of the image. Maybe, but uh, but I want to bring it back to that. I think what we're looking at is the wrong thing when we, when we ask that question. Because what we're actually doing is we're looking at the sin. We're not looking at the deficiency. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. And I think that's a big difference. Like, right, we right. can look at the sin and say, well, this sin was worse than that well, sin. Well, that's what the, sin... the church does. Sure, sure. But what I'm saying is I think the Jesus way to look at it is to say, regardless of how the sin manifested, let's look at the deficiency. Yeah. And so, like, and by like giving I said, the mercy, you're filling the deficiency. You're starting the process. Right, right. Uh, I really like 2 Corinthians 5.16. I'll just read NIV because NIV, that's what popped up. So from now on, we regard no form. Whoa, this is a weird one. I don't like that one. I'm going to read a different. NIV's my flavor flav. New King James. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we... Now we know him thus no longer. What that scripture is talking about in greater context there is it's saying we knew Jesus in the flesh, but Jesus died and resurrected. We don't know him like that anymore. Jesus is the spirit. We look at the spirit of Jesus, right? We're not talking about the actual physical flesh of Jesus. What Corinthians is, 2 Corinthians is saying here is we don't regard men in that nature either. I don't look at Carl Lentz for the fleshly decisions he's making. 
I look at Carl now, based on scripture, on his spirit. I mean, yeah. And so, but spirits can get damaged. Spirits can have deficiency. And so that's why I'm saying we shouldn't look at the sin. We shouldn't look at the manifestation of the deficiency. We need to look at the deficiency. So whether Carl slept with one person one time or five people five times, I think the deficiency is still the same. And that's what we're attacking. We're not attacking the sin. We're attacking the deficiency. So when you get, when you pull up someone like that on a platform in front of thousands of people and you say, I'm not looking at your sin right now. I'm looking at your deficiency. And if you guys as a couple and as a family are willing to walk through this together, we want to help you with that deficiency. But we also don't think your deficiency disqualifies you. And that's... I a thousand percent. I think it does not disqualify them from being able to leave a body of people. I think you have so much more of an understanding and ability to connect with people when you have walked through the fire. Sure. Absolutely. Some of the best, some of the best sermons I've heard have been from people who've been like, this was my lowest point. This is what happened. And this is how I walked through it. And every time, I, I know you guys know this. Every time they mention somebody who was right alongside with them. Sure. Somebody who showed them the grace and walked with them. Right. Yeah. I've never heard a good redemption story from a pulpit be like, and I am so glad they just beat the crap out of me right. nonstop I just six months. And they <laughs> took my title away and I lost my wife and my dog and my truck. Yeah. Greatest no. thing that ever happened yes. to me. Like you never hear no. that story. It's no. always the grace that sets people free. Right. Right. But yet we still have a very hard time in the Christian world deciding how to dull out that grace. And I, I, I still think it's based on image. I 1000%. We can't let this person be a part of our church because then it looks like we are condoning the poor actions. Instead of saying we don't control, condone the sin, but we love the sinner anyways. Right. Uh, and I love, uh, I can't remember who, which scholar wrote it, but we we're talking about the woman who should have been stoned, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh we can pull up the scripture, but it's it's not important. People can read it later. The verses right after that, she goes out into... They were in um, Samaria? Samaria. They were in Samaria, which gross racial tension between the Jews and the mm-hmm. Samaritans at that mm-hmm. time. I did a whole video, Samaritan Lives Matter, or whatever I called it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. It's a really good video. It's one of my favorites. Um, but anyway, so there's a whole race war happening between the Jews and the Samaritans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus That's why it even, was a huge thing when he right. talked to the woman. At the he well. shouldn't even been there. Right, right. Like, gross. Yes. From a Jewish perspective. So not only is she <laughs> in adultery. Hashtag gross. And I'm just going to be very, like, not only is she caught in adultery from the Jewish perspective, she's an N-word. Like, that's as bad as it was. It would be like a ret, I'm not going to say the word. The racial word. That's think, oh. that's what it was. It was as bad as that. Yeah, like, yeah. it was worse. Like, think of the most racist white person saying the N-word to, and that's how the Jews looked at the Samaritans. Dogs is the word they used, which was, like, the lowest of yeah, the Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there, there was a bunch of, like, history to that and all that stuff. But, so not only was she a woman caught in adultery, but she is racially less than. And then Jesus... Sets her free. We know the story. And then it says that she went out. She tells all these people in the town about what Jesus did. And I think it said the next day she brought hundreds or thousands of people to Jesus. And then they all got saved. She was, I think if, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong. She was the first Samaritan missionary of all time from Jesus. And she brought him thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of people the next day. I have heard that story so many times. What a concept. So, was she disqualified for ministry or did she just knock it out of the park the day after she should have been stoned for sleeping <laughs> around? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we don't think of things like uh, on those levels because we're not thinking like Jesus. When Jesus sets her free, he wasn't just looking at a poor woman who was of another race that his people hated. He was looking, I, I'm just assuming here, he was looking at the next, the next missionary of a place that they didn't even have access to. Right. And then, boom, she does it. All it takes day. is one. All it takes is one. And it, But it took grace. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this whole thing. I don't know how we get the church to see this. I don't know how we... Be, like I said, we're not talking statistically if. We're talking when. How many more pastors have to fall before we figure out 
they're going to keep falling. Well, somebody's got to start it. And I, I think a big thing of, of that story is the law stated, if you do X, you get Y right. and Z, right? right? And the the part of coming out of that is somebody stops it and somebody starts the trend. Right. And then that has a trickle effect. Nobody has started it because nobody wants to touch it. Because the law says if a pastor falls, we can't have him on our board because then it looks well, like we're condoning it. And I mean, it, it is, uh, to me, it's almost a direct one-to-one analogy because Jesus on a ministry level was hurting his reputation as a good Jewish person by stopping the law. I think somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I think the punishment for stopping the law from being executed was also you getting executed. Right. Hmm. So like not only is he setting himself up to get executed, but like spiritually and religiously he is discrediting himself because you're the son of God. We have this law that God gave Moses on a mountain, which that, yeah, we, a whole other yeah, story. That's a whole other thing. But we have this, and you're supposed to be the son of God. You, Jesus, you should be the first one with the biggest stone in your hand if you're truly the son of God. Jesus walks up, no stone. I'm just gonna love her. He totally circumvents the system, and because, like you said, he stops the system. He commits. Uh, an unheard of act, completely opposite of what was expected. But ministry or suicide. That's really what he was doing. No religious leader. I mean, he had been doing this the whole time anyway in a bunch of different ways. But at, oh, what like, you're saying is because it was so crazy to think of, nobody would have followed him after that. Right. Like, how could he be the son of God? Yeah, all the guys who were ready to follow the law, right. throw and, the stone. And all the fairies. Now they're like, you've just invalidated yourself. Clearly right. you can't even follow your own law. But it didn't stop him. And so I think it is a direct one-to-one when we're talking about when Jesus wants to step into these situations. Um, yes, if you are going to be one of these churches, one of these pastors, one of these people who are going to start pushing grace to the forefront, you are going to invalidate yourself in ministry. That's what's going to happen. That's the risk you take. And it may happen. The church world, the Christian world, your specific church may hate you and beat you up and invalidate you for it. But in my personal opinion, that's Jesus. And I think, like you said, it's going to take somebody to break the cycle. Um, I mean, I have a quick example. Uh, I know a local church here in town and um, one of the, the bigger leaders on their team of one of their ministry teams, um, unless you were close, you didn't know, she got divorced. And it came out on social media um, after everything was finalized. It was quick. You know what I mean? Like nobody knew. And to this day, she's still in leadership at the church. And I remember when I saw the post from her on um, social media, I was like, great. Now her, her reign has come to an end because she's been divorced. In my mind, I'm like, okay, they're going to let her go. She's still there. You right. know, And we don't know what happened. That's, that's not right. been publicized yet. But she's still serving, now divorced. Right. And I think that is unheard of. When, when have you heard of a female in leadership on yeah. a church board, now divorced, who was married in the church, divorced in the church, and is now still working in the church in her same leadership role? Uh, that's unheard of. Right. And I've been waiting for something to come up to change it. It's, it's been a while now. I haven't heard anything. Hmm. I, think, I think that's a new concept. That blew me away. <laughs> I think it goes without saying. If you're really dedicating your life to pushing Jesus into the forefront, you're going to be at odds with religion. Yeah. And I think we as Christians, we as pastors, we as leaders, whatever word you want to put it, we, we as Jesus people, we want to try to find this middle ground where it's like, how do I push enough Jesus to not tick off people? Like that, <laughs> that's where yeah. we want to like... Or the people I think that are important. Right. That's that, that's And I find myself falling into that trap all the time. Like, I, I, like I've read the scripture. I feel like I know what Jesus is saying here. But if I do this, if I say this going to rattle some cages yeah and I, uh, i'm committing <laughs> religious suicide essentially right. you're gonna get into a lot of arguments with a lot of theologians <laughs> i teeter well it's not even that it's not in the theologians it is it is this idea that for me personally it's like i don't want to turn people off i want to i want to keep injecting a little bit so they, they get it but i'm afraid if i go all in they're going to back off. They're, right you know. right and and i'm sure there's some wisdom and stuff in there too because i'm sure jesus didn't go 100 percent I'm no, sure Jesus no. had to give people what they could handle. Well, look you know. at look at the process of what he was doing. You know, it didn't start 
immediately out the gate with some of the bigger things. Well, he even says, I'm teaching you in parables because you can't understand what's right, happening in the right, spirit. Right. Like, he says that, like, <laughs> yeah. you're too dumb to get this. Not dumb, but you're, Spiritually you are not capable speaking, of understanding. Right. You can't get this, yeah, so let me put it in nursery Let me put it in nursery rhymes for you. First of all, Let's I talk, love parables. Sure. They were made for us, clearly. <laughs> but, like, that's what he's saying. He's like, you're not going to get the actual things of the kingdom I'm trying to teach you, so let's talk about some trees and some farmers and And Zacchaeus right like all that's fine I think we have to just I think if people are really intentional and I'm speaking directly to you listening to the podcast now I think if you're really intentional about pushing Jesus into the forefront breaking down these religious walls I think we all just have to come to terms with the idea and the fact that if you're really serious about pushing Jesus religion is going to hate you and those involved in religion are going to hate you and you're going to be they're going to call you is heretic the right word they're just going to call you completely unbiblical we're going to say where is that found in the bible that's not what that was about and this is why like this is why this channel the podcast and and the youtube all this exists is to give these people ammo where's that found in the well let me show you also to open the door to me thinking, questioning right. things. But but the the idea is that I don't want to send these, I don't want to give you concepts and then put you out there with nothing to defend yourself. Right, right. right. So that's kind of the whole point. If you're, I thought if, we were leaving religion defenseless. Right. <laughs> but the whole point is, that is that if you're going to dive in, if you're going to be about this life. Right. You have to know why. Not only why, be prepared for the crap. Right. Because it's coming. Yeah. And there's no way around it. Right. I mean, Jesus' three years of ministry was full of it. Right. People give him a hard time, kicking him out of places. I mean, don't they go crucified to... him and he was the savior. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the end of his <laughs> quote-unquote ministry was on the worldly standard he lost. Right. On the flesh side yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's 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 motivational like it i'm retelling myself something i need to hear but i'm also hoping to convey this to people listening is that you i don't think there's a way to get around it Mm-mm. i've tried i haven't figured it out i know other people are really trying to push this movement and i don't think they figured it out either if you're really serious about breaking down bad religion if you're serious about putting grace at the forefront just expect christian people to potentially be angry with you about it because just like jesus said and i think we really have and i'm not trying to put us all like on this pedestal or or like holier than thou but i think jesus said it father forgive them they don't even know what they're doing that's one thousand percent i think if you can go in with that attitude i know i'm about to rattle some cages i'm doing it to hopefully open the door of god's goodness so that people can be be led into repentance but at the same time when i engage stupid people forgive them they don't even know right if you can keep all of that in your headspace as you're pushing this movement forward i think you'll be in good shape it's not easy no you You, have to be unoffendable yeah and you have to you have to know it's not gonna it's not gonna be a win and you got to put your work in like i said i mean that's really what this channel is is trying to do is trying to put the work in for people so that they don't have to spend 10 hours a day studying they can just grab the spark right. notes or right, whatever right. it's called nowadays. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is understanding what you believe and why you believe it. And if you don't know, keep pushing until you find it. Keep yeah. going. Keep asking questions. People don't like the questions you're asking. Find new people to ask. Yeah. Find new people. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that needs to be a shirt. I'm going to make that shirt tonight. Find new people. <laughs> find new people. I, I can't, I, I just can't think of a way that's bad. Honestly, no, think about it. No, I mean, what breeds change even in the business world, I'm just bringing that back in my personal life, it, culture, diverse, diversity, yeah. having a different mindset, different perspectives, different backgrounds, different ages, gingers, sexes, orientations, all of it. That breeds change in a workplace and you need all of it because you need those voices to be heard, to be all-encompassing and engaging. Yeah. Same goes here. You're never going to understand fully what it is you believe or your perspective until you have all of the options and you're able to choose from, this is why I believe from this. Right. But religion wants to keep you under that rock. Right. Absolutely. So if you feel like you're under a rock, ask yourself, who's keeping me here? Yeah. Now, it might be you. Right. Might you may be, be choosing yourself. to stay there because of comfort. Right. Or you may look around and be like, well, my pastor said when I brought up this other person that I shouldn't be listening to that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and you remember, may... we all started there. It's okay. We've all been there. Right. So if you're like, well, I don't know. Everyone has started from yeah. there. 
it it is literally a step or I'm always thinking of uh, I don't I get confused with the titles the Indiana Jones the one where Sean Connery's in it and they have to they have to walk across that invisible bridge oh yeah it it's literally a step of faith yep you are either gonna tumble 200 feet to your death or God's gonna put something there to where you can take right. another step and take another right. step and I think that's what a lot of this looks like sometimes you just got to put one foot in front of the other and just pray you're heading in the yeah. right direction because if you're waiting for the path to like be lined with roses and it's look, not it's not this path it's not, not going to be there not the yeah. new stuff um all right so we went for a while once again probably going to break this up into two pieces because that's our jam lately i like it though i like I having mind, yeah. a second one to listen to yeah. so or maybe even a third one we talked for a while tonight uh do you final thoughts uh, anybody want to dive in first? I know we covered a lot. Um, <laughs> final thoughts, anybody? I'll let anybody dive in. Um, when people, not just leadership in the church, make mistakes, I think um, our role, even if it's just us, the individual, because maybe the rest of the church isn't there, um, to be a support and to show grace. Um, yeah, and to offer help in whatever capacity that may be. But be love and be grace and it's not your job to punish people or give them consequences final yeah thought love it um i think just piggybacking off of that if we are trying to drive a change in this culture then we have to be the change drivers we have to be the culture makers if you will and that starts with us that starts with you so what can you do in order to start that movement who can you talk to who can you reach out to um Mm-hmm. just those things and I think uh, that just goes back to a big thing what you said you can apply it anywhere in your life you know we all deserve um more grace or we don't deserve it we all can have more grace and we can also give more grace and I think that goes a lot longer the love of God and the goodness of God goes a lot further than the wrath of God um and as always if you don't have anyone around you who's having these conversations or who's open to these conversations please find some people that you can have these conversations with. Cause if you're listening to this, it's for a reason. Start the conversation somewhere with someone mm-hmm. that you can trust. Yeah. I'll kind of end with this thought. I was thinking about the prodigal son, which is probably my favorite story in all of the Bible. Um, other than the greater story of the Bible. Um, <clears throat> the Bible as a whole. Yeah. Kid messes up. We know the story. Kid messes up, squanders his dad's inheritance, um, sleeps around, eating pig food. We know the story. But he comes back. He comes back not because he's repentant. He comes back because he literally has no other choice. Yeah, yeah. The slaves my dad has eat better than the pigs I'm eating with right now. Right. So maybe I need to go back to daddy's house. This was not, I'm coming back to apologize, at least not because like I see the error of my ways. I'm either going to die or I got to go back home. Right. Right. So kids dragging his bags, Probably smells like garbage. Looks Doubt he like has any garbage. Bags. Guarantee we sold it all. Yeah, he's coming home looking rough. Yeah, right. Hasn't had a shower in two weeks. Dad sees him from the front porch. We don't know how far away it is. Dad's running. What I love about the story is Dad didn't stop him at the gate and be like, "I need you to apologize first. I need you to go to your brother first, and I need you to tell him all the reasons you're wrong, and then I need you to work this debt off that all this money you lost." Dad doesn't do any of these qualifiers. Dad runs to the gate, dirty, messy, crying, flip-flops. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's it's that... Hallmark moment. Hallmark moment. And then he hugs, kisses the kid, says, put the robes and the rings on him, and we're having a party, and that nice fat cow we were probably going to sell at the market with to pay for the things here at the farm because he just wasted all our money. Go slaughter that thing because we're having a party because he's back home. Right. You don't see in that entire story the dad looking for the son to come correct. Dad comes with goodness. You have to assume that the son receives goodness and comes correct. But we don't see in that entire story dad meeting the kid like that. Dad doesn't do it. Not once. Go back and read it. Dad does not require the kid to even repent first. He just runs to the gate and loves him. Party time, kill the fat again. Now we know, preach on its own. Now right there. We, we know the older brother's ticked off, which we all know who the older brother's supposed to be. It's the religious Christian people who I've been faithful this whole time, and you, we know. The point is, I want to focus on the dad and what he didn't do. He didn't 
try to push this kid into being sorry. He didn't try to show him the error of his ways. Hallmark moment, hugs and kisses, robes, baths, rings, fatted calf, party. Mexican party in the backyard. Absolutely. (laughs) We got the whole band out there. If you've never been in a Mexican party in a backyard, please go find one. You will absolutely Let me give you my address for our next one. You you guys all come over. There's, I would say there might not be any better party Betty in the world. Yeah. But anyway. Bring your sombrero. That, what the dad didn't do was bring any of that stuff. I wonder why we've built a theology when it comes to correction, sin, repentance, all the stuff. Why we think doing something outside of the method of the father is going to work. If the prodigal son didn't have to come correct for the father to meet him where he was at. Why are we asking people to do the same thing? Now, like I get it, like we said earlier, well, they got to, you know, they're leading people. Okay, we'll deal with that. We'll get to that Why part. does that have to be the first part? Right, and that's typically how it always happens. We need to beat them up. We need to write a letter and post it. We need to call the board of elders. We need to blow this thing up because we need to get ahead of it as a church. Right. I mean, I've literally sat in board meetings where that was said, we need to get ahead of this because we don't, we're afraid what this could look like. Right. Uh, And think about it. I think Judah said this at some point. Think of how scandalous that would have been to all the neighbors, to all the people in the town. You're just going to let him come back? I I, I I just hear grandma saying it, right? (laughs) (laughs) When you said that, I was like, grandma. but yeah. Sorry, like, sometimes over my mouth she comes out. But like, I, just think about it. Like how scandalous that would have been for the entire community. So he just runs off with his dad's money, sleeps around, then comes back with his tail between his legs and the dad just welcomes him back? What? It would have been a scandal. Yeah. It would have been eight. A- and that, absolutely in that culture. I mean, now it would be, it's a scandal. Dad did not care. Dad cared about one thing, getting his kid back and loving on him, showing him the goodness. And the rest, we, like we have to assume, because the parable ends, fixes itself. Right. Right? Uh, now, we know that's an analogy for us and coming back to the Father and, and Israel and, and all that stuff. But I kind of wanted to end with that thought. That, in my opinion, if anybody asked me, why would you ever deal with grace when people deserve correction? Why would you give grace when there should have been punishment why would you give grace when clearly we need to cancel this person whatever the thing is my only answer that i can stick to is this is when i read the bible when i read jesus this is all i see i don't see it any other way when i see the prodigal son when i see how jesus treats judas when i see how jesus uh, jesus treats peter after jesus has been this is all i see i see jesus and the father meeting people with love grace mercy first and then working the rest of it out why have we inverted that in the church why have we said we got to come at them with punishment with rules accountability which that word stinks sometimes because it does not mean what it should mean accountability means lording over people sometimes and i hate that why isn't it when people fall we come to them with all that love with all that compassion with all that grace that we see the father in jesus coming to people and then we let let it work itself out i don't know how it's been inverted in the church but it has and that's the big thing and i know we've talked about leadership a lot today but i think this goes all the way down on even the one-on-one level right like think about this like uh, with your spouse your spouse create uh, commits some horrible atrocious thing they cheat on you so this is applicable same thing is true here do we meet our spouses when they mess up big time with, or our kids, with, I can't believe you did that. You're going in timeout. You're sleeping on the couch. You're, prodigals don't sleep on the couch. Like, that's the point. Like, they don't sleep on couches. They're allowed back in the house. They get the fatted calf. And I get how tough that is because it actually yanks on the Jesus inside of us. And our flesh does not want to let that out. But that's what it does. It causes us to become something bigger than ourselves, that something being Jesus. And it hurts. And sometimes it feels unfair. But when I read scripture, that's all I see with Jesus. So whether it's my kids making a mistake, whether it's my spouse making a mistake, whether it's my pastor, uh, whether it's my coworker, my boss, if I'm really trying to be Jesus in 2021, I think we meet them. We meet everybody like they're a prodigal. 
And when you start viewing people with those eyes of honor, uh, like Welton talked about, when you start viewing every single person you meet, when they mess up as a prodigal, I guarantee you it's going to change your perspective of how you treat people. And I guarantee it will open doors for you as far as how people respond to you. If everybody's a prodigal to you, people will flock to you. No question. No question. But it that's tough. Like that is a tough well, road that's to walk. laying down your own personal flesh, your and, desires, your and, pride, your ego, what you think you deserve. Right. And what does scripture say? We talked about it last podcast or the podcast before. And this is your true and honorable, or I can't remember the word, yeah. worship. This is yeah. what is expected of you. This is your worship. Not not your hill song, not your whatever. Your worship. So good. So anyway, I'm done. I'm gonna. I, I know we've gone way too long. I'm sorry if this is, has to be a two or three parter, um, but you know, whatever. If you're listening to this podcast, you're used to it by now. This is probably my favorite yeah. one. Um. So, uh, all the things that you're gonna need to see are gonna be in the description. Uh, my Instagram is there. Um, if you guys want me to put your contact info, I can. No pressure if you want to. Um, but feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram. My Facebook is there as well. Uh, any comments, concerns, questions. Uh, we love contacting with you guys. Some of my favorite interactions aren't in this podcast or in the video. It's the random messages I get from people like, dude, that was awesome. Or, dude. I hate everything you said. <laughs> like, cool. The, yeah. The interactions are great. So, uh, if you're listening, like, you know, some of you, uh, we're on vacation. I got texts from like three different people who are like, dude, that podcast. Yes. I don't even remember what our last podcast was about, but it's so cool when like, you know, people are chewing, you know, whether they, di they digest it or not, that's on them. But, takes a while sometimes hearing people chew is a good sound yes, it's yeah. a good sign so yeah reach out to us let us know what you're thinking also any other topics you like us to cover um that is one of my biggest struggles as a content creator trying to figure out what the heck we're doing next yeah. I, I don't give us I, some questions to talk through that's good i never know what's three weeks ahead of me yeah it literally it's like what am i doing for this next video what's this next podcast going to be about and then sometimes it just kind of happens organically and naturally but then sometimes kind of have to stretch and reach and find out what we're doing so anyway reach out to us um the companion piece to this podcast the video will be out mm, either by the end of this week or beginning of next week depending uh when you're hearing this podcast i don't even know when i'm gonna post this i may post it tomorrow i might post it monday <laughs> see how i feel mondays are normally the day but it's been a while so we might post a little early but okay Anyway, you guys are awesome. Uh, I know we did final thoughts. We're good. Everybody's good? Yep. All right. Well, you guys have a good week, and we will see you soon. Later. Bye. Have the best day ever.